Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. All right, Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance as we head into this football Friday, huge football weekend. Uh, you just heard a little update there on the weather situation that we've got. Obviously, the Bills game has been moved by now. You know, Bills-Browns will be played in Detroit. We hope all of our friends up there in western New York, out there in western New York, are safe. It's Snow is already clearly just coming down hard, and it's, you know, it's frightening. I mean, it looks like it's going to be really bad. So, and I love snow games and, and all that. I think all fans love snow games, but this goes way beyond anything like that. So we just hope everyone there is all right. Uh, we'll have Jimmy Johnson at the end of this hour. We'll have Joe Fortenbaugh, our, ga- our gambling insider, in just a second. But very quickly, look, the Packers lose last night, and it's over, and we spent a lot of the first hour today talking about Rodgers and the Packers and everything else. But Hembo actually did give me a good recommendation, which is he said to me, go dig up your notes on Christian Watson because this kid, this rookie, who no one ever saw play in college because he played at North Dakota State, was drafted early in the second round. He was the 34th pick by the Packers, and now all of a sudden he's caught five touchdowns in the last two games. So I actually did go back, and here are my notes. This is verbatim what I said when he was drafted. Christian Watson, wide receiver, North Dakota State. He's 6'4", runs a 4-3-6. He's from Tampa, football in the blood. His dad played safety at Howard and was a sixth-round pick in 93. His brother and uncle both played big-time college football as well. Uh, Christian was a three-year starter for the Bison, two-time FCS All-American. Also averaged almost 27 yards on kick returns and had two for touchdowns, so he adds that dimension as well. Got an invite to the Senior Bowl and had a great showing there, so maybe not a name everybody knows, but a fascinating opportunity. That is literally the paragraph that I wrote. That's how I do these players with the draft. That, that, that was the assessment that we had of him, and then I handed it over to Mel, and then those guys talk. Uh, but, but I think that when you hear all of that, it is not a surprise that this kid is having exactly the season that he is having, which is that, A, it takes him a little time. And here we are, you know, past the midway point. But B, that the talent is indisputable. I mean, he is he is incredibly big and incredibly fast, and you can see it. And, you know, when a rookie catches five touchdowns in a two-game stretch, you've got something special going on. Those are the last five touchdowns Aaron Rodgers has thrown. He's caught all five, each of the last five. Yeah. Six foot four, four three six, you said? Yeah. I mean, that guy's an alien. He's a mutant. I mean, there's a reason why the Packers were willing to let Devontae Adams go, I suppose, if he was always part of the plan. We're seeing... The talent, and it's not, like, it's not at all surprising, I guess, that he hasn't been consistent and he's been a little bit injured you know, going from the FCS to the NFC North. But if this kid, you know, if, if this kid can find a way to play 17 games next year, there's no reason why he and Rodgers can have a special connection based upon the talent and based upon the chemistry that we've seen the last two games. Rodgers has always done well with second-round receivers, of which Devontae Adams was one and so were a lot of these other guys. Um, so, yeah, he may have found himself something special here with Christian Watson, and we'll see. That could be one sort of bright light in what has been a very, very disappointing season in Green Bay. All right, never disappointing our conversations with Joe Fortenbaugh, our ESPN betting analyst, as we look ahead to a very interesting weekend here. Uh, Joe, how are you today? Uh, look out, Mel Kuyper, is what all I have to say with those <laughs> notes and Hembo in there, talking about him being a mutant. Look out, Mel Kuyper. Hembo, if you can get hair like that, He's in trouble. That's, I, that's never going to happen. Handing it over to Mel. That's literally the next word. After, but a fascinating opportunity here. The next word is Mel. <laughs> and then, and then, Lay out. And then I just sit there and wait until someone says in my ear, the pick is in. <laughs> a for true the next, pro, Greeny. For the next one. Oh, the Jets are on the clock. <laughs> and, and, then, and then on you Aren't go. Okay. We got huge games this weekend. This is a very.
very interesting weekend in the NFL in a lot of different ways, I think. Let's start with uh, the Cowboys and Vikings, because this line has been surprising to me. I forget what day it was this week, but Hembo sent me a text. I want to say it was Tuesday or Wednesday morning as I was on my way into work, Joe, and he sent me a text that said, take a guess what the, the line is on the game in Minnesota this weekend. And I'm really surprised the Cowboys are favored. Can you explain it to me, and how do you like this game? So that's a, a common sentiment. People have been talking about it all week. How can an 8-1 and one team that's healthy and at home be catching points from the Dallas Cowboys who just lost to the Packers? People in Minnesota don't want to hear this, but the Vikings are not as good as their record indicates. The odds makers are not in the business of trying to disrespect teams or putting emotion into this. They're the most emotionless people you will ever meet if you sit down with an odds maker. These guys have to be this way. They have to be ruthless. They have to look at the numbers. And they put out this line because this is what the line should be. Minnesota's 8-1, and one, yes. They're also 7-0 and oh in one-score games. All right? They got, they're playing backup quarterbacks. Josh Allen's fumbling on the goal line. They have been the beneficiaries of extraordinary luck. And, and you take what you can get in the NFL. We all know injury luck can work, work the wrong way. But they're catching every break imaginable late in these games. Now, on top of that, let's look at it like this. You're 9-1 and one with a point differential of plus 35. Hembo's a baseball nerd. He knows where I'm going with this. Okay? Plus 35. So through nine games, you've outscored the opposition by 35 points. Nobody thinks the Patriots are that great. They're plus 37. They've outscored the opposition by 37 points, and they're only 5-4. and four. That tells us that, yeah, you're winning games, but it's really, really close. Here comes Dallas off a loss. I would play the Cowboys here. Mm. So you like the Cowboys given the I point do. and a half on the road. Oh, I like it. Joe Fortenpaugh is with us. Uh, several other games that I'm fascinated by. Bears at Falcons, an interesting game because I think Justin Fields has become my favorite show to watch in the entire sport right now. But that does not, has not lent itself thus far to winning a lot of games. How do you like this one? If you were just talking straight watchability based on this year, Bears, Dolphins, Falcons, their games every week are just outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding every single week. It might not be the best football. They might not always be winning, but these games are fantastic. Best bet for the Bears this week is to just isolate them. All right? Their team total, meaning how many points will the Bears score, is 23 and a half. Bet that over, that they score 24 mm-hmm. or more points. This line is too low. They've gone over this total in each of their last four games, during which time they're averaging 31 points per game. They're figuring it out on offense, but yet we're not adjusting. The numbers are not adjusting as a result. So here they go to Atlanta. Is weather a concern? No, they're playing in a dome. Is the defense a concern? Absolutely not. Falcons rank 27th in scoring defense, 31st in opponent yards per play. They should hang a big number. The only concern would be Atlanta, who loves to run the ball, running the entire game and draining the clock. So the Bears are going to have to take advantage of their opportunities. I see them going over 23 and a half points. See, this is what I love about these conversations I didn't even know that was a bet I, I didn't know that you could make a bet on an individual <laughs> team score I, 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 I'm the total I am understand I understand the spread all the rest of it. I didn't know that I could just isolate the team I really like the sound of that Greeny we're going to have yeah. you shirtless in Vegas before you know it I, mm. look, I, 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 look I really get a lot out of these conversations I've said it a million times I grew up in the business through you know generations where this stuff was verboten like, I stopped betting on football games. I, I, like everybody else, I, I bet in college. You know, I knew where to go make a bet when I wanted to and all that kind of stuff. But once I got into the business, I thought it was inappropriate for a person in my line of work 
to be betting on these games. So I did. I never did it. I spent 20 years not betting on games. And so it is fascinating to me to hear a lot of this, the way that has now evolved to being as accepted and acceptable as it is. I'm learning along with you, and I enjoy it with Joe Fortenbaugh every Friday with us here. All right, obviously, Jets Patriots is my life. Um, <laughs> 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 the Patriots are a slim favorite. What, do you, what can you tell me? A lot of converging trends here. If I was going to give you a bet, I'd just play the under in this game, which is sitting around 38. I think with Robert Salah's defense going against the Patriot offense, you're going to find a way to get some stops. That defense looked fantastic in that game against the Bills. People tried to say that that Jets win over the Bills. It was kind of the flat spot like the Bills had last year against Jacksonville. No way. The Jets pushed them around. I was in the Bay Area doing radio for six years. I covered the Niners. I covered Robert Salah. It's all about physicality, man. And that's what they were in that game. And that's what they'll be in this game. So they're going to get some stops. The problem is if you want to bet the Jets, you need Zach Wilson to have a big game against Bill Belichick's defense, and historically, Wilson has struggled against this team. So I think the under is the play. Now, it feels like some of the pros are lining up to play the Patriots for that exact reason if it's three. But if it's three and a half, we haven't seen a whole lot of action. I think some people might be on the Jets there because you're getting the hook, but ultimately, I see a low-scoring game. I go under the 38. I like, all right, Joe Fortenbaugh with us here. That's a, a very interesting one. I'm just looking through because you send ahead a list of of other games where you have a strong feel one way or the other. The old uh, Nuno list. That's the Nuno list. The Nuno <laughs> list. Oh, so, so let me ask you this. Does he tell you which games he wants to know about, or do you tell him which games you've got a strong feeling on? Because knowing Nuno, Nuno's the guy on the side who's like, hey, listen, Joe, I need a, I need a little something on Chargers. I need a little something here. Portugal-Senegal. Which way? What you got? Actually, Portugal-Ghana. Let's bad. get it right. Yeah. Speaking of Portugal, play Uruguay in that group. <laughs> they, they, play Uruguay. Okay, Por- Portugal's the favorite in that group. Uruguay's like plus 190 to win the group. That's the team you play in that group. That's the team right there. No, the conversation with Nuno, uh, he gets it. We, we both know that, you know, you want to talk the big games when you're doing media because that's what the people are focused on. But, well, he'll get a little something on the side. Like, I slid the Bears in there. I'm like, we got to get the team total in there. I know it's not the most popular play, but if that's the best one, we got to give it to the people. Well, let me ask you about one more. And our college football action tomorrow night will be Oregon-Utah presented by Dr. Pepper. Coverage 10 Eastern on most of these ESPN radio stations. But uh, out west, we have USC-UCLA this weekend. And Heather Dinich told me on Get Up this week that this game will decide everything. If USC wins, then then the, the Pac-12 has a real chance. They've got a real chance. If they lose, then that opens the door for two Big Ten teams or two SEC teams or whatever it might be. So a lot riding on this game. How do we like the battle for L.A.? Yeah, betting on the Pac-12 to make a move is probably not where you want to find yourself, <laughs> given what we've seen the last few years. But here's what we know. U- USC opens as a four-point favorite, immediate money on UCLA, knocks it down through the key number of three to two and a half, which is where it stands now. The total was un- unbelievable. It was north of 80 for this game. That got bet down to around 75 or 76. The Sharps came in on UCLA early. I would play UCLA in this spot as well. The worst of the four units on the field is going to be the USC defense. It's how it's been all season long. They have been horrendous, and they've got injuries they're battling as well. But they've only got one loss because they've got an explosive offense that's averaging 42 points per game. UCLA looked terrible last week. They got caught looking ahead to this game. They lose at home to Arizona. People are checking out on them. In sports betting, that's when you go the other way, right? When everyone's moving away from somebody – 
Like we're seeing everyone gravitate to Minnesota, go the other way. One win for the Packers after five losses. Everyone's telling you Green Bay's the play last night. No, you play Tennessee because that's the, the, it moves the line too far. It went from one to three and a half. It's absurd, but I digress. I think UCLA's the play here. I, if you want to have some fun and you want to bet the over, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You're going to get a ton of points here, but I'm going to play the Bruins plus the points in this spot. I'd play the money line as well to win outright. I really enjoyed this. Joe, terrific work this week and every week. Enjoy the games this weekend. Thank you. Greeny, it's always a pleasure. Best of luck to everybody out there. Oh, he's really good, right? I mean, that is just real. I, I, I hope everyone gets as much out of that as I do. We live in a new era when it comes to this stuff, and I, I just find it fascinating. I like Joe a lot. I, I like him a little less than I did a week ago, though, because Liz and I were watching SportsCenter in the morning, I think Saturday or Sunday when he was on, you know, doing the same kind of thing, and she just walks past the TV and with a, you know, holding a crying baby, and she goes, oh, that guy has really pretty eyes. And then just walked into another room without saying anything wait, else. Wait, wait, wait a minute. You're a content producer. That is your job. Right. Why would you save something like that till after Joe is gone? That's right. Like, th- uh, like, that's a good point. That's great content, and you just didn't produce it when we had an opportunity to do something. No, I, I saved it for after he hung up because I don't want to give him the satisfaction of knowing that my wife thinks that he's pretty. That's truly why I waited so long. Now, you're... you're um, you're question, just ridiculous. You, you question my judgment? I, yeah, I, I don't question it. I, 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 I question its existence is what I do. All right. Anyway, Joe Fortenbaugh, very good. Hembo, <laughs> very bad. Jimmy Johnson on the way. I'm Greeny. This is ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. We come to you live from the seaport brought to you by Gray Goose. Jimmy Johnson, the Hall of Fame coach, will join us coming up in about 15 minutes or thereabouts as we talk football. Can I say a very quick word of happy birthday to our beloved producer, hashtag Nuno, who celebrated his birthday, I'm told, yesterday. Now, I was not here uh, in order to uh, officially wish a happy birthday. So I'd like to add mine to all the voices saying, how old are you, Nuno? I am 46. Did he say 46 or 36? 46. 46. 46. Did you say 46 40, or 56? 40, no, did, wow. 
No, no, no. You look, you look, you don't look good. You look a day over 45. You look fine. Uh, anyway, let me ask you this. <laughs> sure. I was just curious because Hembo said to me, yeah, you know, it's Nuno's birthday, so I, I wanted to make mention of it. I've come to love Nuno. But what do you do on your birthday? You're such a unique character. You're, you're an, I find you a very interesting person. And I don't know much about your life away from here. So you, you produce the show. Uh, and then yesterday, you know, noon comes. What did you do with the rest of your day on your birthday? Spent some time with the family. Very um, nice. Yeah, very, very low key. And then, you know, I'll enjoy it tonight. I, obviously, everyone who listens to the Michael K show knows that uh, they are having their 20th anniversary party today mm-hmm. or a show. So, you know, I'm heading into the city and grabbing some uh, dinner with uh, our friends at DPH on Rothenberg show beforehand. And, uh, you know, just enjoy uh, a night in the city. I like that. I will be there for that, by the way. I'm coming by to say uh, congratulations to Michael and. Don and Peter and everybody else this afternoon, so I will be there for that uh, today as well, so that'll be nice. Anyway, just wanted to take a moment to say happy birthday to Nuno. So, Nuno, you didn't hire a dead musician to come play at your okay. birthday party? This, can I just put an end to this? So, so, Bubba asked a very legitimate question about this whole concept that sometimes very, very, very rich people, people far richer than I am, will hire like huge bands to come play private parties, like the Rolling Stones, Taylor Swift, whoever it might be. And, and this, it happens. You, if, you, if you pay attention to that, you're aware that these kinds of things happen. And he said, ask the very legitimate question, if you had the opportunity to do that, who would you get? Then Brandon sitting over here, our camera operator says, how about Bob Marley? And I said, you can't, you can't make a dead person <laughs> part of this because we're having a serious conversation. And Hembo's trying to tell me that I'm wrong, that the whole thing is a stupid, pathetic hypothetical that could never come true. And I'm saying, yes, it could. People do it all the time. But I can't say I would hire the Beatles to come play a concert because two of the four of them are dead. It's not a stupid hypothetical. Yeah. It happened. No, Brandon's qu- like if. You were talking about something that can't happen. Brandon is talking about something that can't happen. No. Yes, it's yes. not something that can't happen. It could happen. Brandon could someday be rich enough to do this. That It's not impossible. It is much likelier that Brandon is going to someday be able to afford to hire the Rolling Stones than it is that Bob Marley is going to come play a concert anywhere. People have been resurrected before. No, 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 no. I hear, I'm sitting here telling you that if you played the Powerball, it could happen. Okay, it, it, I'm it, not playing the Powerball. I know you're not. And that's why you're never going to be able to hire Yellow Card, whoever it is that you like so much, your favorite band, uh, to come play a concert when the rest of us might. I love so Yellow I could Card. have Tay-Tay hanging out at a party that I throw at some point. Taylor Swift, she'll be out there and I'll be up there on stage dancing to shake it off while you're sitting at home studying the baseball encyclopedia. Listening to Ocean Avenue. That's what I'm trying to say. Exactly. Which no one knows what that means and no one cares. Okay. Before I get Jimmy Johnson in here, let's get everybody's kisses of death. Hashtag. KOD. The Kiss of Death. I gave you my KOD, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. I went through my picks earlier today, but we have not gotten the hashtag crew picks because every member of this group has a big game this weekend. So I'll take them one at a time. Nuno, the birthday boy, I'll start with you. Your Giants are a three-point favorite at home against the Lions. Lions is a scary game. Weather here is going to be good Sunday, so it's not a weather game. And the Lions score a lot of points. I don't care how good your defense is. So you're going to need to score some points, I think, to beat these guys. How do you feel going into this game? Nuno. Not good, actually. I am mm. concerned about this. Like, this is one of those games where, especially, you know, Saquon is going to get his, but I'm still worried about the f- lack of weapons. 
And, you know, Wandale Robinson, who's one of the only wide receivers they have, is has a hamstring issue right now, so you're not sure if he's going to play. I have a bad feeling about this game on Sunday, and I think the Lions win. It, 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 it's, well, Nuno, again, is incredibly negative, but it's a good football day. It's sunny, 30-something degrees, 0% chance of precipitation, and so Nuno does not feel good about his Giants. Hembo, your next. Eagles are a seven-point favorite on the road against the Fighting Saturdays, the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, the Eagles are going to win this game, but I, I would not spot them seven points. I, I would not. I think it's too many. They're playing on a short week, having just played on Monday night. They're going on the road. We know that the biggest problem right now on the team is the rush defense. Jonathan Taylor looks spry, looks healthy, and you know Jeff Saturday is going to feed him. And I think the thing that we're not talking about enough is the fact that Dallas Goddard is a stud and is not going to be playing for the foreseeable future. That's a massive injury, Greeny. That's probably, after Jalen Hurts, the player uh, for whom I would least want to be, uh, be out for the Eagles. He's a huge part of the passing game. I think that's going to make a big difference, and it's going to take a couple weeks. Let me ask you this, because mm. you're a crazy Eagles fan, but I know how much you love Jeff. Who are you rooting for? In the moment, I'm going to find myself rooting for my team, I think. Although I will say this, in watching him coach against the Raiders last week, I rooted on that team with more emotion than I have any team that I've rooted for this year. Yeah, we're, we're closer to him than we generally are. Like, I would root for the Jets against the Colts in a big game. Like, if, if, if it's in the playoffs? Oh, for sure. I mean, Jeff's already won a Super Bowl. I never have. <laughs> I, never, I mean, I need it more well, than he needs it. What's going on here? Like, it's, it's, you're going to root for the Colts over the Jets and the Eagles? I no, mean, no, no, never. That's what I'm saying. Not ever. You just ever. said if it was a big game. That's, that implies... No, but I am that close to... What I'm saying is he's someone I'm that... I like, understand he's a great guy, but I mean, all right, we don't need to win every game here. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's, he, okay. can, he can lose a game. I mean, geez. Fair enough. And and, and for Bubba, for uh, Hembo's sake, hopefully it'll be this week. That's the aforementioned Bubba in his Dak Prescott jersey. How did you feel about Joe Fortenbaugh describing the Cowboys' chances as favorably as he just did in this showdown game in Minnesota? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm always a little surprised they were favored, I guess. Hmm. So I, I don't like to see that, honestly. But this is probably the, this is the most important game of the year for them right now because they need to win this game. So this is, Dak needs to step up, and I expect him to step up. You know, normally I've been wearing the mic on Friday, and then I'll you know, go Dak Monday. But we need a big game out of Dak. So we're going Dak. We're switching it up. I expect to have a big game. No, you know, no, uh, no weather concerns. We're good to go there. So, I, uh, you know, I, ex- I expect it to be. Uh, I expect them to bounce back. You know, that was a, a tough performance last week. The defense wasn't great, so I expect them to be better in, in all three phases of the game, if you will. So, I think they're going to win this game. They, Cowboys they, have a very interesting little week. They ahead. need this. They need to win this game to, if they're going to do anything. So, I, th- I think they will win this game. They are at Minnesota, and then they go home to play the Giants on Thanksgiving. It's kind of a letdown game too for the Vikings, to be honest. After that huge win against Buffalo, but no one lets down against Dallas. You just don't. I mean, it's it's going to be the most watched game of the weekend by far. It's in that afternoon yeah, prime that's, slot. That's true. It'll be Nance and Romo. You, you're not letting down in that game. Uh, you can you can wish for that, hopefully, but that's not what's happening here. If you win this game, it won't won't be because the Vikings let down. It'll be because they are a little bit the paper tiger, maybe that Joe was just suggesting they are. Greeny, the podcast. Previously on Greeny. I think that they're going to finish at absolute worst. They will finish 10 and 7. That would be a worst possible realistic case scenario. But if you're just looking at what the realistic expectations were of given teams, they should retire the coach of the year award 
rename it the Brian Dayball Award and just give it to someone else every year. This is the best coaching job I can ever remember seeing. That was me earlier this week. Might have been a slight overreaction. (laughs) But we're prone to that every now and again. I do believe he is the coach of the year. Weekly Rewind brought to you by Dell. For your small business needs, call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. Speaking of a rewind, let me take you back very briefly through the mists of time. January of 1993, I got to cover my first ever Super Bowl. It was one of the true thrilling occasions of my life. It was the closest I was ever going to get to, quote, making the Super Bowl as a kid who just grew up loving football. The Dallas Cowboys were playing the Buffalo Bills, who had been in that game each of the previous two years. And when I I went on my radio station in Chicago and I said, Cowboys have no chance in this game. The Bills have all this experience. They're a young, unproven, untested team. And the next thing I knew, they won that game 52-17. to (laughs) And the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys is the Hall of Famer Jimmy Johnson, who's good enough to jump in with a series of book out that we'll talk about at great length here. But it's been far too long. Jimmy, it's Greeny here. Thank Thank you so much for the time today. How have you been? I've been great, uh, Greeny, and uh, I do remember that uh, that first game. We had, had the youngest team in the league, and we were playing a bunch of Hall of Famers, uh, but our guys were the best team that day. I mean, I, I thought you were going to get killed, and, and of course, that was just the first <laughs> of a countless number of terrible predictions that I have made over the course of time, because what I did not yet recognize, but what we all came to recognize in that year and the year that followed was that was really in its own way the last great dynasty. The NFL changed forever immediately after that with the advent of free agency, Reggie White, the first really big one that goes to Green Bay, and and football is forever different. And while Belichick and Brady won all those championships together, there's not one team. You don't ever think of them as one team. That cowboy group that you put together in the early 90s, Jimmy, in some ways – of its own kind, that really is the last true dynasty I think we will see in pro football. Well, you know, you know like I said, we had the youngest team in the league, and uh, you, know, you know, of course, we won it again the next year, uh, and then I left Dallas. Uh, but um, we were in great situation. You know, we, we had just, you know, just put in the salary cap, or you know, right after that, and and people say, well, without the cap, you know, you'd have had problems, uh, but. Not only were we the youngest team in the league, we were the lowest paid team in the league, too. So we had plenty of room as far as adding players. So Jimmy Johnson's new book is available right now. It is called Swagger, as he recounts his extraordinary career, life, and lessons on winning. And and for those who don't remember, I mean, Jimmy came from college where he had enormous success on the collegiate level and then into the NFL. And there have been so few coaches who have made that jump successfully, who have gone from winning huge in college, which he did, to winning championships on the pro level, which he did. So, Jimmy, what I, I'm always fascinated by lessons, particularly in the areas of leadership and winning. So as I prepare to read this book, what are the most important things the fans should know? What will we learn from reading your brand new book well initially we talked about doing this book because i've had so many coaches and general managers and eight or nine owners uh come down to the keys and and talk about winning not only football people but baseball people basketball people and the number one thing they want to talk about is evaluating talent and that's where you know i really spent most of my time i was my own personnel director, you know, back in college at Oklahoma State, University of Miami, uh, and, uh, you know, of course, with the Dallas Cowboys. 
and so that's really what they want to talk about. And now, uh, the other thing is, you know, anytime you have that kind of success, there's going to be some sacrifices and some struggles, uh, which I had to go through with my son, Chad, you know, uh, with alcoholism, uh, but he went through recovery and put you know, together a, a group and had a rehab center, and he is doing fantastic now. Uh, but it really the fa- family sacrifices that I went through, trying to beat the opponent, trying to outwork the opponent, trying to win a championship, uh, that's part of the book as well. Um, but the main thing is, like I said, not only evaluating talent, but building a championship team or a championship company. It's fascinating. I, I'm always, I remember when that was going on, Jimmy, in your life and just following it and covering you as I did from afar, the idea that your, your, pretty much your entire life has to be dedicated in order to winning um, in the National Football League where the, the margin is so thin between the best team and the worst team. And, and sometimes there's a feeling you have to work like crazy. And so the lessons like those and others in the book Swagger. Talk to me about evaluating talent. I was just having a conversation this morning with Rob Ninkovich on our TV show about numbers. These days, all that stuff is done by analytics. Did he, did he run this fast? Is he this tall? Is he, does he weigh this much? Uh, how, how much a part of an evaluation of a player are those numbers, are those measurables when you are making the decisions? Well, that's part of it. You know, obviously uh, there's going to be exceptions, uh, but there's a lot more to it. I never really wanted to take a high pick unless I had personally spent time with them. You know, whether or not I, you know, an interview or had dinner or spent time with that individual. I wanted to get to know that individual. And, and, and I, I talked about five different things uh, as far as evaluating talent. The most important thing for me was intelligence. Mm. Uh, I wanted a smart football player. You look at the first four picks uh, when I first went to Dallas. You had Troy Aikman, academic All-American. Daryl Johnston, academic All-American. You had Mark Stebnowski, academic All-American. Tony Tolbert, academic All-American. Mm. You know, they were smart players. They all obviously went not only a Hall of Fame, but also uh, they were all pro bowlers. And and you look at some of these players, Russell Maryland didn't have another scholarship out of out of high school. Uh, he was a 320-pound offensive line, but he was extremely smart. He was ex- extremely dedicated, and he was a hard worker. So I gave him a scholarship. He ends up being an Allen Trophy winner, first pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but, so I wanted intelligence. I wanted a gym rat, Greeny. Mm-hmm. I wanted somebody that had a passion for the game that was willing to work around the clock to make themselves better. Uh, a lot of guys are going to put in, put in the time, but when they leave the facility, that's the last thought they give to it. I want somebody that, you know, when they're not at the facility, they're playing pickup basketball. You know, they're competing on the pool table. They're, they're doing whatever. They're great competitors. I want somebody that was going to work, outwork the opponent uh, because, hey, you and I know not everybody is a hard worker. There are some lazy people out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is character. I, I said you can't win championships with problems. Uh, and then, obviously, on my teams, I always wanted some speed and quickness. But, see, I look at those things. You know, anybody can look at the film or the tape and say, he's this tall, he's this fast, let's go get him. But that doesn't predict success. What predicts success is his intelligence and what he's got inside him. 
it, I love that stuff, and, and I agree. I mean, there's there's so many mistakes that wound up getting made, and I think sometimes, you know, Jimmy, sometimes I think that comes because people are afraid of getting fired, and so they want to be able to say, I can explain the selection I made or I can explain the decision. This happens in coaching a lot, too. They're afraid to do something that might be risky. They want to be able to do something they can easily explain away with analytics or statistics and say, this is why I did it. And that way you have a pat answer. And that doesn't mean it's always the wrong thing to do, but it is the easily explained thing to do. And frequently, I think coaches talent evaluators, people in every area will do things that are motivated more by fear of being wrong than by conviction and being right. Greeny, you're 100% right uh, because uh, even the value chart that I designed back when I was with the Cowboys, you know, people didn't make trades back then. Mm -hmm. But once I put the value chart out there, you know, everybody started making trades. They said, well, the chart said this and chart said that. It's a good trade. You know, and, you know, it may not be for a good player, but it's a good trade because right. the chart said it. You know, and the analytics, you know, look at all the, you know, so-called experts going for it on fourth down now. Oh, well, the chart analytics says go ahead and go for it. And they don't take into account the weather, the opponent, how strong is the opponent, how strong is your offense, how strong is your defense, you know, what's the score in the game, where are your position on the field, you know, on and on and on. Uh, sometimes analytics and charts uh, make it easy, an easy decision, but it's not necessarily the right decision. Yeah, there's an art and there's a science to this stuff, and, and the truly great ones are the ones who can marry the art with the science in the right way, and, and very few have ever done it better than the Hall of Famer Jimmy Johnson. Again, the book is available now. It is called Swagger. I, I want to ask you a couple of quick big-picture questions, if I can, just about the sport. I'm fascinated sure. by where it has gone. You won your championships, excuse me, with a quarterback who was a Hall of Famer, and I loved him. Troy Aikman, he was as tough and as accurate as any quarterback you've ever seen. But the one thing I could always tell you is exactly where he was going to be standing when the play was run. <laughs> you know, like He was going to be on that spot, right. and he wasn't going to move, and your job was to protect him, and he was going to throw it as well as anybody else. The game has changed so much, Jimmy. Are we going to get to a point, or have we even already? where in order to have success in pro football, a quarterback is not only – it is going to the, – the, the ability to run with the ball is going to become a necessity. That is no longer going to be a luxury, but it's going to be something that you really can't succeed without. Yeah, I, I think there are a lot of ways to get the job done, and there's a lot of quarterbacks that have certain strengths that you can win with. Uh, the key you know, for every one of them, is what kind of supporting cast are you going to give them? Uh, and you have to build around your quarterback's strengths. Hey, if it's Tom Brady and he's not going to move around a lot, maybe he's going to slide here and there, uh, you've got to give him protection, and you've got to give him the right receivers. You've got to be able to give him the outlets. Uh, if it's a Patrick Mahomes who's going to move around the pocket, he's got good mobility, hey, he can improvise, and he can do things that Tom Brady's not going to do. Uh, and so it just depends on if it's a Justin Herbert uh, with his athletic talent. Uh, you know, he maybe you you run him more. You know, a lot of play action passes. You got a Josh Allen. Hey, he's the best running back you have on your football team. Hmm. You know, utilize that, but protect him. Yeah, so so the, a, a lot of different directions it can go. And Allen, I worry about him sometimes, Coach, to be honest with you, that he just gets hit yep. so much. And the interceptions are a whole other problem, but the amount these guys get hit would be my big concern. One more for you, Jimmy, real quick. 
My right-hand man, Hembo, gave me a statistic the other day. There were 32 teams in the National Football League. Right now, 17 of them, so more than half, have a coach who is either in his first or second year. So in the last two years, more than half the league has changed coaches at least once. What, what is the reason for this impatience that we're seeing in the sport, and do you think it's a problem? Greeny, I, I, I think it's a problem we have in this country. Mm. Um, you know, the young people growing up, you know, they're video games, uh, instant success. Nobody's patient. Nobody wants consistency. Uh, you know, nobody's willing to wait. Um, you know, and the owners with the money that the teams are worth right now, billions of dollars, uh, and with the fans, et cetera, they listen to the fans. And so, hey, if they don't have instant success, oh, I'll try somebody else. The grass is always greener. And and I, I think it's just part of society today that nobody is patient enough to look down the road. You know, but, you know, hey, there are still some that do it the right way. Chris Greer, who I said should be the executive of the year, he, he traded uh, Tunsil and did some things as far as getting some future draft picks similar to what I did in Dallas, trading some of my players and getting future draft picks, and now it's paying dividends. He was able to use those picks to get Tyreek Hill and to get Armstead and get some of these other players. Mm -hmm. And so there are still some that are doing it the right way, and they are patient enough to say, hey, we're not going to win this year. Let's go ahead and bank some of these picks until we can build a team for two and three years from now. Again, the book is called Swagger. It is available right now, and the author is the legend, the Hall of Famer, Jimmy Johnson. It's a pleasure to catch up. Thank you, Coach. Best of luck with the book, and I'll see you soon. All right. Thank you, Granny. Enjoyed it. Take care. That's Jimmy Johnson, one of the most interesting people. I, I, I have always really enjoyed uh, talking to him and just watching him. He's very good on Fox and, and, and has been very good a very long time. And those teams were unbelievable. You know, if I had two hours with him, I would love I, I, I would love to have asked him a little more about Michael Irvin. <laughs> I think coaching, coaching Michael Irvin had to really be something. I know what it's like trying to host Michael Irvin. You're just kind of holding yeah. on for dear life. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure what it would have been like to be his coach. He had a lot of big personalities on those teams. Yeah, and, and they were all-time greats. All right, uh, Jimmy Johnson, that's a pleasure. It's a great way to end the week. It is a great football weekend ahead of us. Enjoy all the games, and we'll be back in better than ever, same time, same place, Monday on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast. 